Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we go on a future quest. Say goodbye to a legend. Try to bring more hope and optimism to DC. Review an old friend's new facelift. And more. Ah, oh, hello, hello, comic people. You comic, yes, hello. comic lovers, you comic nerds, you comic fiends. Yes, we are among your people. Friendly fiends. I am David. And I am Nick. And we will be your guides this evening through the mystical world of funny books. Or in the morning, afternoon, maybe the, you know, public commute. Maybe like that awkward time where it's like, well, if I eat right now, it's not breakfast, but I haven't eaten anything else yet today. But it's like close to lunchtime, but I'm going to have an Egg McMuffin. What do I call this time of day? We're here for you in that time of day. Yeah. We're your audio brunch. Oh, that's that's good. We should call it brunch. Or we should create a podcast called Audio Brunch. Audio Brunch. I, we're scrapping heck yeah comics. Welcome everybody <laughs> to the newest episode of Audio Brunch. Today's topic: mimosas. Delicious. Yep. How many should you drink at a brunch? I say as many as you can, <laughs> because that champagne will run out faster than you think. <laughs> I don't have personal experience at all. Have I told you the uh, the save the champagne story? Uh, I don't know if you have. So my friends, um, uh, Zach and Lisa, were getting married. Zach and, and Lisa make a porno? That's Zach that's and Mary Zach make a porno. Mary. Never mind. Uh, Never mind. This is, no. Anyway, so uh, we we went to this wedding. It was a backyard wedding. Oh. Uh, I mean, it was a good time. We were all fine. It was fun. Uh, but the bride was very, like, anti-alcohol, like, anti-drinking, which, like, you don't need that to have a good time. But at weddings, you know, it makes the dancing a little bit easier, makes people just kind of cut loose a little bit more. Uh, so we're just sitting sitting around, and suddenly it starts to rain, like, a lot. Uh, and the only alcohol that Lisa had agreed to at this wedding was champagne for like the champagne toast. So there's bottles of champagne sitting around in all the tables and everyone's reaction is, Oh man, we have to go inside, but save the champagne. So people are just grabbing bottles of champagne as they're going like, and not glasses. No, we don't need like, glasses. Just, and, and there were, for some reason, there were many bottles of champagne at this wedding. I don't know why, uh, but you, like just going inside, so now we're in this house, and people are standing around talking, just fisting bottles of champagne, and just like <laughs> passing them around. It. How big was this house? Uh it's it's a like fairly big house. It wasn't it wasn't a very big wedding, mm -hmm. um, so it was like it was a little bit crowded. But when, when the toast was happening, the best man was toasted. 
uh, heyo, he was uh, drunk. Well, there was also a speakeasy that was happening because uh, the groom's family drinks a lot. And so they had like a secret stash of alcohol that they had been already drinking all day on top of the champagne. Uh, so when like the, like the toast happens and he's like, you know, to Zach and Lisa, you just look around the room and just bottles of champagne are going. Everybody were like, yeah, like just super excited. Uh, it was easily could have been one of the worst weddings. Uh, easily was one of the best. Very cool. It was a great time. That has nothing to do with comics, but I just wanted to share that story. It's one of my one of my favorite wedding tales to impart. And you haven't even made it to mine yet. To your story? No. To, well, I haven't created a wedding story yet. I've yet to be married. Uh, yeah, man. Bad news. Not going to make it. You have 13 months. What if this is how I told you? It was on the podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a shame. Like in the first five minutes of the podcast, would we even be able to continue doing this show? This is David and Nick. And uh, Nick, by the way, plans during your wedding times. Well, we're not coming to your birthday party that was apparently planned yesterday. It wasn't planned yesterday. Well, we didn't hear about it until yesterday. Wait, what? What? Wait, did Anna reach out to you just yesterday and be like, oh, can you guys come up this weekend? It was like, yeah, that's why we got a Facebook invite yesterday. Oh. <laughs> so I so with so basically Anna so originally I wasn't going to take my take work off for my birthday. I was gonna like work like a half day and maybe just get like dinner with Anna and you know, whoever was else was around. But she was like, No, take your day off, take take your birthday off. I was like, All right, I will. So she was like, all right, so like the plan, and then basically she kind of more or less said like the plan is like we're going to go into the city for the day and then like meet up with people for uh, dinner. So at first I was like, oh, okay. But then I also thought I don't really like going into the city mm-hmm. if I don't really have a mission. But then she said that like people were meet, were going to meet us and I didn't believe it because I'm like no one is going to want to drive into the city or take the commute into the city. And then it's going to be expensive, and you know, it's just no no one would show up. I mean, this was me pontificating, and I'm like, I don't even really want to go into the city. So I and I was just like, listen, I'm only turning 28. Doesn't need to be a big deal. Just like this weekend, you know, people want to come over. We'll have like a barbecue or something at at the apartment. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, okay. So long story short, didn't go into the city for my birthday, uh, but I guess because maybe it was like a week ago. I had kind of like upended whatever plan she had actually considered. Uh, she's basically been playing catch up. Oh. Uh, so. Also, happy belated birthday to to you, Nicholas Daniel Sharmuxness. I don't think the internet needs to know my whole name. Well, they are they, missing one of my middle names. So you have two middle names. Yeah, I think we've been over. Do this. we go over this every single time? It's cool. There's totally things about you that I forget, like your whole name. So. Ah, whatever, Where man. Don't even, don't pull this crap. <laughs> gonna... Um, so good to know that I won't see you on my birthday party, <laughs> dude. Dude, this weekend is so insane. Why? Why is it insane? So tomorrow, my weekends will be are all insane. Like, hey, dude, let's right. meet up in Philadelphia and go see a movie. Oh, sure, Nick. Oh, wait. 
because Jacob's this is coming my into life, town. Don't even get me started. Bro. Oh wait, so, my friend's so, having a birthday. So this Go weekend, so tomorrow night is my improv show. Uh, the night after that is my friends. So Friday night is my friends' band is playing in town, and then the night after that is a bachelor party. Well, bachelor and bachelorette party. I'm going to the bachelor. Debbie's going to the bachelorette, and it's just going to be totally craziness. So this is all like a smokescreen. You're actually going to show up on Sunday. Oh, to David. Let's go. Let's talk about some comics. Let's, let's I think go. I think first I know we put this under discussion, but I think we uh, should just start off with this because this oh, is yeah, been yeah, yeah. deeply deeply saddening, deeply sad news. Uh Darwin Cook. Oh, uh I who's can't, I can't. Uh, known for his art but is an exceptional writer and artist. I can't um, do it. unfortunately died this past week. Oh, no, it's not at, true. After a um a battle with cancer. And I mean, it all like basically the news hit that like he was receiving palliative care. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, palliative care. And then like the day later, the news dropped that he, that he passed away. So, I mean, he's definitely one of those talents, like not to shortchange other people or, or anything, but like he is like a seminal comic book talent. Like he yeah. is up there. Right. And, and, and I, and I, mentioned it in the opening that you know saying goodbye to a living legend or some or to a legend i would say that before his un very unfortunate passing um that he definitely was a a living legend uh where his style was just so recognizable and had was so influential uh so this year has sucked for you know there's been a number of high profile deaths you know, you have David Bowie, Alan Rickman, uh, Lemmy, some others, and those have all been very sad. But for me, Darwin Cook's passing was the hardest one to to handle and to process. So far, so yeah. far. Uh, don't yeah. say that. So, sorry, don't say I don't that. know why I said that. Uh, when so Grant, far. when when Grant Morrison dies, I'm going off the deep end. <laughs> like, that's gonna be, you know, painful but... for everybody. You know, Dar uh, I think Darren Cook is the kind of artist that, you know, whether or not you liked his style, you respected his style. You understood that, like, he was just, like, he knew how to take the medium and twist it to his needs. Yeah, and and, and for people who don't like stuff that, uh, you, you know, this days like, stuff's got to be serious and so mature and blah, blah, blah. He always kept uh, this air of, of whimsy in his work, like very silver age stuff. I mean, not to say that, you know, Batman threatening, uh, um, Martian Manhunter with a book of matches is not heavy and mature, but there was so much else in like new frontier and all that, that like, that just kind of had that optimism of the early days of comics. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like so much of his art, if you look at it, like people are smiling and, and yeah, it's, it's a very, very sad passing. So rest in peace, Darwin Cook. Mm -hmm. We will miss you, and your art will always live on. And it will, it will. You know, condolences to family and friends. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, on that sad note, we will carry you in our heart and discuss the thing that you loved, which is comic books. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Why is everything so quiet? Let's try that. To the Batmobile. Let's go. That's a little bit better. Anyway. Speaking of a book with whimsy, I would say, why don't we kind of 
kick off with Future Quest, because I know we both have read that. Yes. And that was a book made up of words and pictures. Some would call a comic book. Mm-hmm. So Future Quest, uh, for those not in the know, is the first... Yeah, I don't think any of the other ones have come out yet. Uh, the first of the Hanna-Barbera properties that DC has decided to relaunch. Um. I was looking for the credits here with Jeff Parker writing Evan Doc Shaner and Steve, the dude rude as artists with Jordi Belair coloring. I'm pretty sure every single comic book in the industry at this point. Uh, this was the one that people thought was kind of the strangest, but this book is amazing. I, I don't know. I think this was probably the book out of all of them that people were the most excited for. Uh, yeah, it's I, an action-adventure book made up with a whole bunch of different right. I action Hanna-Barbera characters. I think the reservation is how are you going to bring Johnny Quest into this world of – because, you know, you can have Space Ghost and, um, and Harvey Birdman – or just Birdman, I guess – uh, Space Ghost and Birdman and all of these others, you know, that are superheroes and kind of craziness. Like those – yeah, those can all exist in the same space, but then at the center of this book is Johnny Quest, uh, which has always been fairly rooted in reality. And so I think a lot of people were like, how do we bring those two, like these two worlds together? Uh, well. So I don't think it ever occurred to me that Birdman's real name wasn't Harvey. Right. Well, I, <laughs> I, then I just, I just, I was like, isn't his name Harvey? Then I went and I was like, Oh, Ray Randall. Ray right. Randall. I can't not call him Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. <laughs> I know. I, and that show is in the same thing with Space Ghost. Like, I get that he's technically a more straightforward character, but because of Space Ghost, coast to coast, it it's really hard to actually take these characters seriously. Yep. Oh, um, no. Screw you. There, Hold on a sec. Uh, no, because I just have to play this if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about him. This has to be a thing that's happening. Hold on. Alright, I just need to get that out of my system. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, this book, this book, people, is, uh, there's a lot going on here, and there's a lot of characters that I don't know in this book, which is fine, which is good. Um, that I'm very excited to get to know better. Uh, kind of at the crux of the story is you have Johnny Quest and his father and uh, Haji and Race and Bandit. And they're in the Florida Everglades where there's some strange phenomena going on, which are these vortexes. And uh, as, as the vortex in this book, of course, opens up, uh, things begin crossing over from another universe and that includes characters like Space Ghost. Space Ghost. Yes. As soon as share share some thoughts on this book. So Ooh. it's been a while. Mistake. I mean, it's it's been a while since. I mean, uh, I watched like I mean, when I say it's been a while, I mean I have not since spent any time with these characters since childhood. So, and I mean, when it comes to characters like Birdman and Space Ghost, if I watched their original cartoons in any fashion, I don't remember it. All I really remember is Coast to Coast and, and Attorney at Law. Um, Johnny Quest, I remember a couple different iterations of him. Um, 
and then the the female agent the diva sumai i don't know if they've revealed if she's like part of any kind of super organization or not well they're part of what is that? they they work for internation internation yeah but I don't, i'm looking on the cover with everyone in their super suits and i don't i got the which, see them i got the joe can the joe Canano's cover i just got the i think this is the doc shaner cover yeah i couldn't resist um yeah, I mean, honestly, basically Johnny Quest, Space Ghost, and Birdman are the only ones that are recognizable to me. All these other characters, like, I don't remember at all. Um, so, I mean, one, one on the one hand, I'm kind of excited to get to know them. Uh, as far as, like, the plot goes, I mean, there's only really one way that you're going to get all these characters into one place, and that was either with... Uh, portals to alternate dimensions or time travel. I think mm-hmm. with Space Ghost, they're, they're hinting at time travel. I think, with, though, I would say that maybe with some of these characters, they could probably accomplish it with with just time travel. Some could say, oh, well, in the past of this world, you know, right. this, they don't, I they, see a Triceratops on the cover, like, boom. They, they, don't, they don't establish um, that these Vortexes are interdimensional. They, I would say, more they're pretty vague about them so like uh you know the 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 beginning world uh is on a distant world years before um which that couldn't mean anything you know but i don't remember what i was saying because i'm getting so distracted by this beautiful beautiful art i really uh enjoyed this opening sequence um which is this group of people trying to save this world uh, and, and then, yeah, these are, these are characters, you know, the, the ones later on that they show, I would say are more in the public consciousness. I have no idea who, uh, this captain is. That's Space Ghost. Is that Space Ghost? Yeah, that, that they were, re- they were replaying his origin. Wait, seriously? Recounting his origin, yeah. When, did that ever come up in another part of the book? No, but I just, uh, I guess okay, the I guess I can't say for sure, but my guess, like if you no, look at the, the, the arm, the armbands are the same. Armband. Yeah, man, Space Ghost's uh, origin is heavy. Yeah, no, no, I mean, he becomes the ghost. There's a the, train in the Yeah, the ghost in, the, what, in what sense? In what sense uh, is he a ghost, Nick? So, I mean, maybe they'll elaborate on in future issues of Future Quest. <laughs> future issues of Future Quest. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess in this case, his whole squadron gets destroyed, so he's kind of the ghost of his squadron of this space, uh-huh. you know, more or less like a Green Lantern-esque team of galactic defenders, and he's the last remaining one. So they think everyone's dead. He comes back. He's kind of like, uh, who's that guy that he's the Revenant? I don't know. Uh, um, the, the Like the evil doctor? Not the evil doctor, just like, you know, he's the guy who comes back to get revenge and everyone thinks that they all die, but then that one guy didn't die. It doesn't matter. <laughs> to kind of get back to oh, the Oh, that core, is the Revenant. Well, the, the Revenant, I was thinking of something different. Okay. Um, to get kind of back to the core of the book, um, it's well drawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that I'm not, I don't believe Steve Rude was in the original um, announcement, and I kind of got the feeling that because there really wasn't like a, a story transition between Shaner's pages and, and Root's pages. This is my not necessarily an educated guess, but I think fairly 
uh, correct assumption that maybe Shaner wasn't able to hit the deadline, and that's why some of the pages are drawn by Shaner, uh, by uh, Rude. I think this is also like a this is a larger than normal it's, issue. So it's, uh, thirty pages. Yeah. So I mean. So yeah, part that, you can understand. I'm hopeful that Shaner will be able to accomplish the rest of the series. I imagine he will on his own. I mean, if they're if they're if they're dropping down to twenty to you know twenty four, how many pages? You know, he he pretty much accomplishes that in this book. Yeah. Um, save for like for a few. Uh, this was a book that my my thoughts on Twitter were it's it's just crazy enough to work. Mm-hmm. And I picked up the first issue as I do for a lot of first issues, just sort of like the novelty of it. It's like to check it out, be like, is this gonna, you know, is this is this just fun? Is this gonna be something I'm gonna pick up? And it definitely is. I am definitely in on this book to see what's going to happen uh, next issue. Um, I felt like that opening sequence, you know, which was like serious and heavy was also, I mean, it's, it's dark. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. Um, Cause I feel like they could have gone really grim and gritty with it. Mm-hmm. And while it definitely is very, very heavy. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's again, I guess, I guess just not, grim and gritty and there is sort of that silver age sheen to the book that i think does it a really great service yeah it's Uh, a book that you if you try to take it too seriously you're not going to have a good time it's 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 not even that it's trying to modernize the hannibar characters like in an ultimate kind of way right it's it's literally like it's trying to take them at their essence and at their core and explore what a shared universe of these characters would actually be like and i would say so far so good. So good job, DC. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely a big boon for DC. Um, I mean, I don't think we have anything uh, sure we could nitpick this book, but just for us to kind of take a quick overview of it, it was enjoyable. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and if you didn't check it out this week, then you really should. Yes. All right. Did you know that the rebirth number one is only going to be two ninety nine? It's going to be 80 pages long. Uh, well, even if I, even if I didn't know that every single comic book that I've picked up in the last month has told me very aggressively, were you being, (laughs) were you being sarcastic? No, I, I don't pick up a lot of DC books and I apparently missed that said that was, that was their big thing is like everything launching with rebirth is going to be 299 even. Well, no, I know like the rest of rebirth. I didn't know the 80 page special. Well, yeah, no, that was like, that's what I'm saying. When they did the announcement, they're like, all the rebirth books, two ninety nine, including the rebirth special, which is going to be eighty pages. I wonder how long that's going to last. I don't know. I mean, they they lasted. I mean, not too terribly long, but I mean, they 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 have been very insistent that they're going to keep to it more this time, especially with the double shipping. I think it's more likely. But I mean, think of it this way: so let's say you have a book like Batman, which is a high seller. Mm-hmm. I mean, DC could. Now, so I know a lot of people like to criticize Marvel because you know books are like three three ninety nine. Uh, obviously, like you get the digital code and, and stuff like that. But I mean, it's easy to criticize it. But you know, from a production standpoint, a lot of work goes into these books, and I mean, they could potentially charge a lot more, especially when the fact that not as many people buy them to kind of offset the production costs. So I mean, I to me, DC is producing more. Like they might be producing less titles, 
compared to like 50, maybe it still equals out to about 52 a month or so. I'd have to look. Um, but they're still technically producing more of each book. So that means the creative teams are working double duty, which I guess, again, you could write that off like that they, if they're only working on like one, maybe two books, then that's like they're working on four books for DC. So maybe the, the costs kind of work out. But I feel like DC could potentially charge more for their books, like, and and get away with it. And I don't mean that necessarily in a bad, like a, a, a shady way. So I'm just wondering if, like, is it really more fun? I, I only imagine that they have a financial team that's looked this over. So they must see that it's more financially financially lucrative for them to double ship at the $2.99 price than do uh, once a month at $3.99. And, and for Marvel, Marvel, you know, like, they probably release, like, 12 to to 16, maybe even 18 issues of a book in a year, and they're all three ninety nine. So, I mean... Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying. Um, it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah, uh, I think I think this time they seem like all right. We're going to try and hold the line as long as we can. If that's viable, then it'll stick. If it's not, then it won't. And that's just the life of comics. You just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, and I would say, me, you know, with Marvel, I, I want it probably doesn't cost them anything extra to throw in the digital code. So they say like that extra dollar costs, you know, the cost of the, the digital code, so to speak. Uh-huh. Like you're getting the book in it for an extra dollar. Um, maybe it, it costs them something. Um, I'm obviously not educated enough to know. But at the same time, like that could just literally be them making 100%, you know, gross margin with that digital code. Right. But, yeah, on to something else. David, why don't you tell me about one of the other books that you read this week? Well, I only read two other books this week. I only picked up three books in total, which is weird. I almost picked up some other stuff just being like, well, I, you know, I only have these three books. But then I decided, hey, that's probably not super smart because I'm going to get like 80,000 books next week. Uh, I can only hope. So I picked up Old Man Logan number six and Robin Son of Batman number twelve. I think I talked about Old Man Logan number five last time, and just kind of my disappointment that the initial storyline was just leading up to Batman or Batman uh, Logan joining uh, the X Men. Uh, but this new story seemed kind of interesting, where he's gone to try and help his. Uh, future wife who's not going to be his future wife anymore uh, just kind of have a normal childhood because apparently she was abused uh, and he's been here for a couple weeks now and some bad guys have shown up to terrorize him essentially uh, but the town gets in the way and this issue uh, kind of returns to what I've really enjoyed from this team which is it's a little more uh, action centric it's a little more brutal uh, as he starts to take on, I believe they're called the Reavers. Reavers. Those are existing Marvel characters. Yeah. Uh, Bone Breaker is one of the guys. Half of his body is a tank. Uh, well, he's now... I mean, if he was a previous Marvel character, he's now dead. Because <laughs> Logan kills him pretty quickly. Uh, but like I said, it's it's brutal. But uh, this issue, I realize we don't we don't get any flashbacks. This is just all in the present day. Uh, which is actually, it, it was, I guess it was done well enough that I didn't notice the lack of flashback mm-hmm. or flash forward back. Uh, 
So I'm still optimistic about this book. It's it's one of those things where it's like I want to get upset, and then I'm like, oh, Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino, I can't stay mad at you. <laughs> uh, I'm 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 loving the covers for the storyline, like especially. Uh, so I'm 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 gonna keep on keeping on. I'm probably still gonna bitch about it because I'm a comic fan on some level. But uh, I'm a comic fan on some level. Well, I mean, I'm gonna bitch about it on some level because I'm a comic fan. But I'm still gonna pick it up, and I'm still probably gonna like it. Uh, Robin, son of Batman, was interesting because it ended with a to be concluded. Uh, when rebirth stuff is all starting, so I don't know what that means. Maybe there's another one more issue to go. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I could look that up, but uh, this issue, you kind of see where Damien's year of blood was leading to, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. It's it's really sad that it's not Tomasi all on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, the team that that has come in is has done a serviceable job, and and it's it's fine. Uh, but there are a couple of moments where I'm like, I don't know if Damien would necessarily do that. Uh, like there's this moment where uh, Batman and Talia are arguing sort of over Damien and he goes off with Goliath and, uh, and Maya and uh, what's his line. They'll stop after a while. One of them might end up unconscious, but they will stop. And meanwhile, I have my family and he's hugging Goliath and Maya. And it's a sweet little moment. Uh, but I feel like there's so much has been spent with, yes, Damien has a complicated relationship with his mother, but he's drifted really close to his father and really bonded to him. Uh, mm-hmm. So for him to be like, I have my family, which is you two. I feel like that's kind of spitting in the face of Batman. <laughs> I'm like, come on. He's sacrificed a lot for you, bro. Um, but it's, I mean, it's fine. It's... It's a book that I'm going to keep, keep picking up out of love for the character, uh, but this these past couple of storylines, or these past couple issues in the storyline, have just been all right, uh, and I want I want more. I want it to be elevated more. It sounds like basically they had to recover from Patrick Lee's, like I know he had some personal stuff that came up that prevented him from being able to continue on with the book, so they probably took his outline. And then kind of, you know, ran with it and did the best that they could. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it feels like, especially with, you know, Damien I, is going to be appearing in Teen Titans and Super Sons. And I'm not sure if he's going to have any active roles in any other books. But it kinda, it's like it ties up in a bow, but then it leaves you with probably more questions than the next. Now, if there is one more issue, uh, that, that could change things. But I agree with you that it's like, it sounds like, I mean, it is 12 issues of story. And I know that, like, with, with Maya, you know, kind of going from, like, she, like, wanted revenge on him, but then they end up becoming friends. But then it's like, is Maya going to show up anywhere in future issues? Oh, so, so uh, Robin, Son of Batman 13, is on sale June 22nd. So, interesting. I guess they are uh, closing it out, even amidst all the rebirth stuff. Well, there's been a bunch of DC books, like some of Brian Hitch's Justice League of America issues, I think are going to come out even after his Justice League Rebirth issue. Uh-huh. Um, and I think like Dark Side War has been delayed too. So, um, yeah, that happens. 
yeah, whatevs, it's all good. Uh, now, Nick, you read a bunch of stuff this week. We obviously don't have time to talk about it all. But we're going to, so okay. everyone strap into your butts. I'm going to go ahead and strap into your butts. Strap, hold on to your butts. Strap in. Strap in and the, hold on and to your hold butts. Hold on your butts. You went, you went both at once. Strap into your butts. Oh, boy. Oh, God, no. Um, uh, yeah, no, I read a bunch. Some of it was ketchup. Like, uh, I I finished off the Hellboy and the BPRD 1953 Beyond the Fences series, uh, which had the Paulo Rivera art. Great artwork. Is it only the, three issues? It was only three issues. And you saw his wife. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm thinking of Hellboy. You're thinking of Hellboy and Hell. Right. Um, I mean, as far as the story goes, it's that probably leading. I think that the, the, the these Hellboy and the BPRD series they've been doing, they've been kind of chronicling Hellboy's time in his early days with the BPRD. Like, there's plot elements in this that are probably related to previous volumes in this series. And then there's I, the way that it wrapped up was kind of like, oh, they stopped the immediate threat, but there was a lot of teasing about future storylines. So some... I think some of the teases may have been related to storylines that have already been published, and some might be relating to future Hellboy and the BPRD volumes. Um, so it's it's interesting. Um, you know, it was good. It was just kind of like a, and more or less a, a one and done story. So I'm not going to go into it too much. But if you enjoy Paulo Rivera art, then it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, and if you don't I, get the hell off this podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, Karnak was more Karnak craziness. Um, I don't really even know how to describe it other than he's Karnak and he Karnak stuff. Um, is, it, is it still being written by, uh, the sentient Warren Ellis AI program? Yes. <laughs> that crafts the most perfect Warren Ellis type story. Um, let's see here. Superman Wonder Woman number 29 was the penultimate issue of the final days of Superman. Which is weird because the way it leaves off, I guess, feels like it will lead into, depending on how decompressed the final issue is, which means the final issue could also be super rushed. Because they're, like, just about to probably finish off, like, the main threat of the of the last eight issues. Super, um, but, super rush. That could be a... Character? Yeah. Super rush? It's like, it's like the Flash, but he's always late to things, so he's, like, super speed. Which I guess, like, well, it's not the Flash's. Barry's always late to stuff. So he is it's, the Flash. Well, yes, but the superhero character is always late to things. It's like, <laughs> Never it's okay. shows up for the world and stuff. It's okay. I'm here to save the... Oh, no. He already killed you all. Oh. oh ah, you'd think no. they would stop calling me for hostage situations. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so I'm curious how that how Superman's whole, whole Final Days things is going to wrap up. Um, so let's see. Dig in a little bit. Civil War Two number zero. Yep. I almost this... picked this up. Um, base it is the opening shots of the whole civil war. It's is really more was uh, kind of establishing a few of the the key players, mostly Captain Marvel, uh, She Hulk, and uh, War Machine. You know, who are three characters that are popular and beloved, but not they don't necessarily have a huge high Q rating. You know, compared to Iron Man. So I think it was smart that they used the issue to expand and kind of see where these characters are at currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, and when I say like, I use like loosely, but there was like a moment where a uh, doc Sampson, who's a Hulk character. Uh, he's a psychologist, superhero psychologist um, shows up and like kind of 
uh, stealth evaluates Captain Marvel in sort of like a heavy-handed way of sort of like explaining the conceit of the whole, you know, uh, Minority Report-esque uh, plot of the book. Um, but he's been dead for a while. And, and Captain Marvel just kind of writes off like, oh, haven't you been dead? And he's like, I've been through worse or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of like, like we didn't even decide to go through the whole, like how he got resurrected. He's just up and running again, which there were eight months between secret wars and, you know, the all new, all different Marvels. So, I mean, he could have been resurrected at some point during that. It was just funny. Um, so again, the book basically sets up the whole, like, should you charge someone for a crime they have yet to commit because you have, you know, uh, a vision that they're going to commit it, or do you have to let the crime play out and then, you know, charge them for the crime committed? Um, she Hulk, uh, spends the issue in a court case where she loses because the criminal was, uh, the criminal she was defending was, busted in like a, a sting uh, like an entrapment thing where like the cops kind of set him up even though he was just discussing the quote unquote good old days of super villainy I guess he got arrested for it she lost the case he ends up dying in prison um, so she's kind of upset about that Captain Marvel as part of the new Ultimates team is all about trying to proactively stop major threats before they happen so she's kind of been aligned since the beginning of all new all different Marvel with like I think the best approach is to you know destroy it before it becomes a problem um, The I think the most interesting thing out of the issue and I don't know how I feel about it I probably have to read it again so War Machine has a sit down with the president um, who's clearly Barack Obama but he's left in shadows but I mean like it's clearly not Trump or Hillary so um, anyway, so, um, the president offers War Machine to be his new secretary of defense. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was funny because War Machine's just like, don't you already have a secretary of defense? And the president's just like, ah, oh, but he can't see things the way you do. Like, so you basically offer him this job and you're going to turn around and like fire your current secretary of defense. Like, I'm not really sure how it works in Washington. Uh, also at least, you know, it just seemed like a very out of character moment for the nebulous president to just be so cavalier about it. But, um, what am I trying to say? So anyway, war machines offered the position of secretary of defense. And then the president says something really interesting where he's just like, I think it would be a good opportunity, uh, a a good stepping stone basically for you to get my job. Mm -hmm. So he's basically hmm. trying to set Rhodey up as Secretary of Defense because that could sometime down the road lead to him being able to run for president and succeeding. He's basically saying that, listen, uh, it's not a secret that at some point one of you superhero people are going to run for president. And i basically saying I would want it to be you. Hmm. Which is interesting because, I mean, it's cool that he that, that Rhodey's like, and I realize that there are people of... of you know, decorated military veterans and stuff that, like, run for office and are politically savvy. Rhodey's never struck me as a particularly politically savvy person. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's a good soldier, he's a good friend, he's loyal, and he gets the job done. Um, 
but he doesn't strike me as a politician. So that and presuming that this takes place, presuming, presuming that this takes place before the free comic book day issue, uh, Rhodey's probably going to end up dead anyway. So <laughs> it's kind of like handing. It's kind of like before Bendis killed off Ultimate Spider-Man. It was all like like J. Jonah Jameson's like, I'm going to pay for your college degree, like your your college tuition for all the college and all this great stuff started happening to him and then pff, he died. So I'm just assuming that War Machine is going to kick the bucket because of this. Hmm. Um, I guess hinting at makes me feel like She-Hulk clearly like wouldn't be getting promoted like this if she wasn't playing a central role in the story. And this whole like one hero is going to kill another hero, then I'm like, does this mean She-Hulk's going to kill War Machine? But like in Civil War, uh, the free comic book day issue, uh, Thanos... Uh, basically delivers the critical attack on War Machine, and then an errant War Machine missile hits She-Hulk. So part of me thinks that maybe this, the Free Comic Book Day issue was like a, a vision of a vision of a vision? Of the vision? Of the vision, who was not present in the book at all. Um, I, would just so, love, I would just love if somebody's like, I'm having a vision, and then it just like cuts to like the vision eating cereal, like, oh, well, what, what, huh? And then goes back. <laughs> Uh, as far as the overall execution, the art by Olivier Coppel was not his best work. It felt like, I mean, like the character work was there. And I, when I say like it's rushed for Olivier, Co- Olivier Coppel, like it's still really good looking artwork. But it's like in other books where I felt like he put in a lot more effort into like backgrounds and stuff, like how the, how a scene was set. I feel like a lot of it was kind of characters floating in space. Um, so to speak in, in like, you know, a lot of it was like close up shops or shots or like, you know, like the, 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 the settings the, the backgrounds were kind of like minimalistic. Um, you know, so for what it was like, I don't think it was Olivier Coppel's best work, but you know, it was still decent. Uh, and then it's Bendis. So like, I didn't really care for most of the dialogue, but I always seem to get suckered into Marvel events. So <laughs> you do, I mean, you know, I definitely think it's too soon to kind of do like, like, a, you know, this book is going to be called Civil War 2. So there's no way that we can't kind of take it. And when it's all said and done, put it next to the original Civil War and say, you know, what was good? You know, what did one do better than the other? Um, and I guess we'll see exactly how well ban- ban- Bandis. Bendis. Uh, <laughs> I'm Brian Bandis. Like, um, they eventually have to fire him and just get his, you know, non-union equivalent. <laughs> uh, so I'm just, you know, I'm definitely still curious about this event. But I guess I'm still not 100% sold on the execution so far between, like, the free comic book day issue and this zero issue. So, I mean... Okay, let's be honest. If I pick up the first couple of issues, I'm probably picking up the other five. So I'm already sucked in. Whatever. Wait, the other five? No, they're going to drag this out to ten. It's going to be seven issues. Yeah, okay, that's what they're going to say right now. They're like, ah, we need one more to tell the whole story. And by one more, we mean two. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, so that was basically that. And then I caught up on Black Widow and Black Panther. Black Widow has, again, been more of a, like an artist book. It's really telling it more visually than with words. 
uh, which is all cool. Uh, this book kind of confused me a little bit towards the with the the cliffhanger ending, um, but in a way that makes me curious about where it's going next. So I'm definitely picking up the next issue. And Black Panther still surprised me that despite Ta-Nehisi Coates, like I get that he's a comic book and slash a Marvel fan, um, but I, I'm really and almost pleasantly surprised how much it's actually using recent events in Black Pan- Panther history uh, to sort of formulate its whole story. So I think that's really cool. Uh, it, it's kind of setting me up in a way that like, I, I think I kind of, my theory was that it's going to lead to uh, Wakanda becoming like a democratic state. Um, and black Panther will no longer be a King, but he'll still be like the protector or whatever. Um, but I'm, I feel like it's, that almost seems like too simple of a res- resolution. So, uh, and that way, the book is keeping me on my my toes as far as what direction it's really going to go in. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is it's a book that I really want to read. And I I've can heard send you my digital copies. Yeah, I still have digital copies. I have to send you. So yeah, we should definitely do some uh, exchanging on that because it's one that I was like, oh, I'll wait until it's on Marvel Unlimited. But I mean, if I could get a hold of it now, I'll get a hold of it now. Well, then talk to me after the show, buddy. All right, right, guys. You just got some uh, black market dealings going on in this show. (laughs) Don't don't sell us out. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? And then I also read Invincible, but you have yet to catch up, and it's really good, and you suck. Um, I didn't send you the rest of the Robert Kirkman AMA, but it was really funny. Uh, I probably can still catch it on Reddit. I might have to take a look at it. Yeah, yeah. For people who don't know, you should head on over to Reddit, where Robert Kirkman decided to answer some questions. Uh, a lot of them were about the cliffhanger, the finale, which he was willing to answer, but he was kind of giving Pat like, like, oh, you know, we, you know, we know people are very upset with it, but you know, just, just hold on, like, just, you know, just keep watching, which is not really addressing the issue i feel like uh where the issue was hey so much of this last season you guys were jerking us around and trying to like be like oh is this person alive what's gonna happen and then you end the entire season like people weren't happy with and i'm just gonna spoil this um there was this whole like is glenn dead or alive thing and it was fine if that's how you end one episode and the next episode you show us the resolution. Um, And they didn't do that. They showed us the resolution several episodes later and dragged it on and people got really upset about it. And so to end the entire season on that note is not good. It's not good. I I had to catch myself at the end there and be like, look, we got to bring it down. Maybe it's just because I'm so behind on the show that, like, it just all seems really funny to me that people are so upset. But, I mean, I'm outside the situation. Very true. Very true. We'll see. We'll see, man. I just, you know, they need to not just be like, keep watching. You'll be satisfied. I did enjoy that Robert Kirkman said his favorite flavor of ice cream was Neek and Kels Carl. And (laughs) it sucks because I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan as an actor. I want to watch stuff he's in, uh, except for Grey's Anatomy, because, come on. Uh, oh, I've seen those episodes. Yeah, I'm not... not I feel bad for that. the guy. <laughs> hey, he's... You know, he was in Watchmen. He was in Batman v Superman. He was in Supernatural, the good seasons. 
Uh, and now he's in like one of the highest rated shows of the last you know few of years. All time. I guess it would be all time, which is annoying. Um, but what I'm trying to say is, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I expected more out of you. Just come be my best friend. Is that possible? I have the greatest role for you, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. My, be my friend. You sound like a breakfast sausage, but I want to be best pals. <laughs> anyway, why don't we just go ahead and get moving on as I move your window to press this button. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I've got to discover why all of my sound clips are really low. Uh, this is really turning out to be the... The worst episode ever. Nah, it's turning out fine. We're all having a good time, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so all right. Some news. Let's start off with some hope and optimism. Speaking is... Uh, not speaking. Uh, speaking of... How do I... Oh, I can't segue. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Jeff Johns wants DC films to include more hope and optimism. Yeah. So this is spiraling out of a report that there is some, uh, you know, some creative shuffling going over on at DC, uh, which there does seem to be some validity to that uh, with um, Ben Affleck being brought on as, as a producer on, uh, on Justice League and you have uh, Seth... Graham Smith uh, leaving the flash and people are trying to bring in the suicide squad reshoots into this again, despite the fact that the director has addressed them and been like, no, they just wanted me to pump up the action anyway. Yeah. It's, it's part of this, part of this report is on one hand, I think it's realistic to say that if I was a bean counter at Warner brothers and I saw like the critical reception of Batman v Superman, like I could say, okay, it made a ton of money, but their whole, I think, you know, when it comes to things like these superhero films or like Harry Potter, you know, franchises, they're looking at like, you know, if we put out this bad egg, just because we have 10 other eggs, you know, on the docket, you know, over the next several years, if this thing doesn't get it off to the right start, then how can we assume, you know, we may have made a lot of money in this because, Apparently, word of mouth didn't stop people from going to see it, and I'm I'm being a little critical of Batman v Superman, even though I more or less enjoyed it, mm -hmm. but just kind of being objective here from a oh, from no, like no. a bean counter standpoint, right? You know, we have to look at the numbers. We have to look at the numbers. I mean, I imagine with all of the marketing that went behind it, like it probably didn't make that much extra money. And of course, again, if people just didn't warm up to the film, then you're going to say, oh, we'll now see all the other films in our canon. And people are going to be like, well, that movie sucks, so how can I trust you to make these other movies? It's very oversimplified, but I can understand from a bean counter standpoint that they would be like, listen, something clearly didn't work right. They're evaluating their hierarchy, and they're trying to, to make it work. At the same time, uh, we have yet to get a report that Zack Snyder has been pulled from the film, and a lot of people seem to attribute that he shouldn't have as much creative control. Like he can bring mm -hmm. his visual flair, but as far as like the actual editing and like pacing of the film, it should maybe be left to other people. Yeah. And I'm one of the people that thinks that should be the case. Um, side note, I was really surprised by this. I was listening to Anthony Mackie on the Nerdist um, earlier today. And he straight out says that Iron Man three was a bad movie. And I was impressed that Marvel would allow anybody working in their wheelhouse to say that. Um, 
It's weird because I actually enjoy Iron Man three. I I get where they were coming from in in their in their criticisms. Uh, well, why did he elaborate on why he said he thought it was bad? Um, not not a whole lot. Uh, they did mention one thing that I thought was interesting. They said it was a Shane Black film that happened to star Iron Man, uh, which I would say is actually pretty true. I really enjoy Shane Black films. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is one of my favorite movies of um i mean i don't want to say all time but it's it's definitely up there maybe in my top 20 top 15 um it's i'll have to go back and listen to that part of the episode again uh but it was just fun fun to hear him say it's just fun to have like someone like we're kind of getting to that point now where we can admit like look not all the marvel movies have been amazing um anyway that's not where i'm wanting to go with this uh one of the other things coming out in this report is that they are trying to get some people in the role of uh kevin uh kevin feig i think is how it is Feige? i would say Feige. uh he said on the podcast they call him figgles so i think it's i think it's kevin feig um and the the rumored names uh are john berg and uh chief creative officer jeff johns who is not confirmed nor denied but has said in the past that's not a role he's looking to take um if they throw enough money at it i mean if if he has a heavier hand i would be really happy uh here's just here's his quote uh that he said um he did discuss the future of the DC brand, which he believes needs more hope and optimism. There's a lot of emotional underpinning of these characters and stories, he shared. It's not that people take it for granted, they're just not aware of it. But when it's not there, you really feel that emptiness. I think people make a mistake when they say Superman's not relatable because he's so powerful. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's a farm boy from Kansas who moves to the city and just wants to do the best he can with what he got. With what he's got. Not what he got. Uh, that's, what he got. That's the most relatable character in the world. So it's cool to have someone in, in DC power come out and be like, hey, maybe this isn't going you know, the right direction. Maybe we haven't done the best things with these characters yet. Uh, but it's not too late. I think that's, that's, the, that's what we need to look at here, people. It's not too late. Now... But that that being said, it's like I like Henry Cavill in the role of Superman. I feel like he didn't have a, a lot to do emotionally in Batman v Superman. Uh, I I also like Ben Affleck in the role of Batman. I like that he's a bit more curmudgeon-y. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, like, I mean, the train's already started. So they're not rebooting the characters they've already established for their film universe. Mm-hmm. But then it's like they killed spoilers. They killed Superman at the end of Batman v Superman, and like I mean, there's obviously the hint that he'll, he'll come back, but in what fashion? And if you want hope and optimism, like you want Superman, but this hasn't necessarily been the hope and optimistic Superman that you know we all hope for. And I say this again as a fan of Man of Steel, more or less. I think, I think that you could do it with his resurrection, um, just kind of being this moment. You know, you know, having his resurrection tied to like his death and that optimism. I, I think that it can be. I mean, I, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this, um, but I, I think that like that character, there's still the possibility. And he got kind of 
heavy and a little depressed just before uh, dying at the hands of Doomsday. But he did it while like saving the world. And I think if that's the character that emerges, the one who will do anything to save the world, like you can do a lot with that. You can you can build that optimism in, where it's like I'm like I'm the most powerful being in the world, and I had to 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 die to save the world. It's like you're just a human, but you can still do great things. I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying this right. I'm not doing this right. But it's there. It's possible. I guess I'm just curious about how Justice Justice League is going to shake out. As far as like, are they going to pull Luke Skywalker and bring him back like right at the end? Is he going to come back earlier in the film? You know, when you're already dealing with Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Flash, and Aquaman, and apparently there's been some rumors that the plot might have more to do with like an attack from Atlantis than like Darkseid. Like Darkseid might be part two. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, how are they going to roll with that, yo? Like, where are they going to fit? I mean, I feel like for him to be resurrected, like, so you got man. Let's say he does come back in Justice League. We've mm-hmm. gone woefully off topic, but whatever. That's fine. Uh, it's not really. We're kind of still on topic. So he, you know, he's introduced to the world in Man of Steel. Eighteen months in story time. He and you know, like three years our time. He gets, you know, killed. Mm-hmm. And then so then his third film he gets resurrected. So he's literally uh, arrived on the scene, been killed and resurrected in all of three films. That's a lot of ground covered. It is a lot of ground. And that's like, okay, so either between Justice League 1 and 2 or after Justice League Part 2, they do like another Superman solo film. Mm-hmm. Here's, I just, yeah, I don't know. So I just, I just had a thought that could be really interesting. You were saying there's like talks of it being from Atlantis, you know, a threat coming from Atlantis. Obviously, this is all talk at this point. Um, but I think it'd be really interesting if... Uh, if like the Atlanteans were being mind controlled somehow and you have Aquaman getting away from it and coming to, you know, the, the surface and being like, I, you know, I'm responsible for my people. We have to put a stop to this and kind of helps in connecting the justice league. But there's this very big, like this would be like a good first step with people who are upset with the level of violence and all that being like, look, you can't like, they're not in control of themselves. You can't kill them. We have to be careful. And then, like, as it turns out, the one behind the mind control is Darkseid. And Darkseid is upset that they have upset his plans. And so he's coming now to handle things himself. And in doing so, Superman's over there. I haven't figured everything out. All right, this is a rough draft. (laughs) But hear me out, DC. You're trying. Call me up. I'll do the elevator pitch. (laughs) <sighs> anyway, uh, Justice League. in further movie news, and we've got a lot of uh, DC news coming up, so we're going to shake it up briefly here. Captain America Civil War is the highest grossing or the number one movie of 2016 at the global box office so far. I don't know what else could overtake it at this point, um, but it it uh, is currently at 900 and. 71 million total gross internationally that is very close to a billion and marvel studios films have grossed uh over 10 billion worldwide so that's a lot of money that is a lot of money people who think that these movies are going to be going anywhere anytime soon nope Uh, you're wrong yeah a joke 
So probably I would say over this weekend they will cross the one billion mark. And, a, and that's just in a two three weeks. It's very impressive. I I don't know if it is the fastest to reach a billion. Um, it might be. So apparently, highest grossing films adjusted for inflation, Gone with the Wind, is actually still beating Avatar when adjusted for inflation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew that. Uh, so fastest films to gross one billion is actually still Star Wars. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, that's Star Wars, like the first Star. Oh, this oh, no, is no, no. I was, I'm looking at fastest grossing films. So to just to just one billion so far has been Star Wars: The Force Awakens, twelve days. Jurassic World was 13 days. Um, Civil War is not on here yet, but it'll probably it'll be below those two, I would guess. Yeah, I mean it's been two weeks. Iron Man three is still number ten. That's probably gonna bump to eleven once Captain America jumps in. All right, so let's uh, let's not get distracted by numbers. It's all very fun stuff, though. What else is going on? Uh, Furious 7 is number seven. <laughs> just kidding. Um, let's see. Back to DC. Uh, I've, this is something that I was thinking of picking up for Anna. I was waiting for it to kind of finish, but, uh, an artist that she likes named Renee DeLiz, who we've actually met at Boston Comic Con in the past, uh, has been working on the Legend of Wonder Woman from DC Comics. Uh, it's one of their, uh, digital first comics that appear mm -hmm. on the, uh, the app, and then it gets collected into, um, like single issue form, uh, the artwork as from like the previews I've seen and stuff has been phenomenal, uh, and I guess that people have been really responding to it. It's kind of like a more retro take on it. I want to say it takes place in like the 40s and 50s, uh, as it kind of tells her tale of you know coming to man's world, uh, and it looks like it's done well enough that they are prepping a sequel to it. So very cool. Um, on also in DC, uh, I guess the rest is really DC. Uh, Raphael Albuquerque, the artist from American Vampire and other books, uh, debuted a Batman number one for the Batman Rebirth, uh, you know, number one variant, showing a possible Joker re uh, new look. And it does look like the Joker from Suicide Squad. Kind of. The hair, at least yeah. the hair. The hair look. I mean, he's well, wearing but, but a suit, so whether or not he has tattoos, which um, I don't think he will. No, I don't think he does. But again, it's Raphael Albuquerque, which doesn't necessarily fit into the kind of house style. Uh, it's a great style, and I love it. But I wouldn't say this would necessarily be the design. It does. The hair fits in line also with um, the last time we saw Joker. I just I think know. it's weird to think of the Joker as someone who has to sit down and someone has to give him a haircut. Who gives the Joker his haircut? Probably, I mean, he's probably any, somebody any at version gunpoint. Of the Joker. I mean, like he clearly, like someone Hardly. did his hair, like a professional. Like it's not like he just has crap. Like you know, like a supercuts haircut. Like he like gets really good haircuts so well i imagine he had harley do it for a time and now he goes into okay, a barber shop and... harley because what she's a woman she's, no. she's a psychologist so i'm just saying like i, I don't she think she also a... like worshipped him yeah but it doesn't mean she's gonna give him good haircuts i'm just saying he okay okay what she's, she's ledger look like in she's, the dark night she's I dc it's it's dc's harley quinn she can do anything she wants to Nice turnaround, David. I 
Just saying. That's what they've written that character into. Okay, so Heath Ledger's Joker, you know, kind of had the longer unkempt hair, so it's more reasonable that he probably could cut it himself. Um, you know, like there's the Jack Nicholson Joker and all that. But I mean, like in the comics, I'm trying to think of like most of his looks, like someone had to give that guy a haircut, and that just seems like the most terrifying thing to do in the world. Um, other than that, Joker's kind of a classy guy, at least in that photo. Uh, yeah, so I if mean, you like Ralph, Raphael Albuquerque and you like Batman variant covers, you'll probably like this one. One thing that's always interesting about Raphael Albuquerque's Batman is he has a giant forehead. We will wait as Nick investigates. But I feel like every time he draws him, like he has a slightly more forehead than other artists give him. He does have kind of a big head, but maybe... You're trying to imagine him without the mask on, and maybe it works? No, I, I think it could. There's some room for the hair. You know, he's got to be Bruce Wayne in just an instant. He's got The hair's got to be fine. Yeah, but I think at the same time, like, that hair's going to get matted down, so... I don't know. It, mm -hmm. it, it works for me. Mm-hmm. Well, also in Batman news... I think, oh, you know what it is? I think because a lot of people kind of have a scowl on the face of the costume, of the cowl, uh, and this one lacks that, so it's like maybe it's the smoothness of it. Anyway, uh, in other Batman news, Return to Arkham has been announced, which will see uh, a remaster of Batman Arkham Asylum and Arkham City releasing together... Um, it will feature improved graphics as well as upgraded models, environments, lighting, effects, and shaders, uh, which is cool news. Not really surprising in this current day and age. This is something that's happening with every video game out there. But you haven't really played the games yet. No, I played like 15 minutes of Arkham Asylum way back when, and then I never played City. So this is definitely something during my new... Uh, video game renaissance I've been on um, that I will probably be uh, checking it out for sure. So I'm down. I definitely think uh, definitely you should play it. The first two are amazing games. Uh, I, I do like Arkham Knight. It does very much have its issues, um, but I would think the I think the first two, especially the second one, is is like the most Batman-y game. Like the first one feels like a, a big bat, like the Batman story. Cause there's sort of a linear element to it. So I think that's the one where you really feel the most like Batman in a Batman story. The mm -hmm. second one is, I mean, there is a story to it, but it's a lot more Batman patrolling at night. Uh, you definitely got to pick it up, man. Sounds like I do. Or maybe I'll just not buy your birthday present until then. <laughs> that works too. We'll see what happens. The world may never know. Fantastic. And to finish it all up, DC Comics debuts a new logo. And what do you think, David? All right. So DC unveiled the new logo. And I looked at it and went, oh, cool. 
a lot of people have lots of thoughts about this logo. I don't have a ton of them. Um, I think I like the simplicity of it. Uh, I think it's very clean. Um, it's very nice. It works. I mean, DC changes their logo quite a bit. Uh, so I just feel like I don't have like strong feelings on it. It, I was, I was thinking the other day, like, cause some people I've seen on Facebook have been, um, they've been like cool with it. They think it looks really good. They think it's better than the current peeling one. It's definitely better than the peel. Yeah. And, and, and I'll definitely agree with that. Uh, you know, they don't think it's as good as the bullet, which I think everyone agrees the bullet was a high mark. Um, but they, they do like it a lot. They think it's a step up from where we currently have been, um, and some people, of course, are against it because it's the internet. Change. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing. It made me think of. Remember, like when Facebook was always changing, uh, and like people would get very upset about it. They like they'd be like, "Bring back the old Facebook. I want old Facebook back." Uh, and then, like a month later, nobody really remembered what old Facebook was like. And this isn't exactly like that because you can go back and look at the old logos. Um, but it just kind of has that feeling to me where people are going to complain about it and then they're going to move on and they'll see it. And maybe they'll remember, I didn't like that, but you know what? <laughs> the world keeps on spinning and future quest continues to come out. So they can all go fly a kite, but what are, yes. what are your feelings? Um, I mean, definitely the bullet's great. I probably would, I think if they went back to like the kind of like the shooting star, look from before like before the 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 peel like i think that's that's better i think they just need to come up with the design and stick with it i mean i know like some brands like update every once in a while but i want to say like dc has updated their their branding in like like three times in the last 10 years like i'm not sure exactly when the bullet got retired but i want to say it was either um or it was probably like early 2000 I want to say it was retired. So probably so, like the last 10 to 15 years, they've changed their brand three times. All right. So what I'm, I'm looking at here, uh, the bullet was 1976, according to this, that it came out that it, like that started. Yeah. And then 2005 is when they changed it to the star. Okay. So yeah, to, so literally it's been in 10 years, they've changed their icon now three times. And then, um, 2012, is kind of, I guess when they switched over to the peel, but I mean, this is, you know, this is them being like, okay, we hear you. You didn't like it. So we're going to shake things up. I don't know. It's, but at the same time, like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on DC or anything like here. I do feel like, I think they're having this, I think, especially now that they have, they're much more, there's a much, much more of a corporate synergy going on. I think there's a lot more of a pressure to be successful and to beat Marvel. I think that, I think, I don't think that they were ever happy with being number two, but there probably was a little bit of a complacency for the longest time. And now I feel like they're in this position where like DC has some phenomenal characters that for whatever reason, the current regime, either through the comics or through the movies, like haven't come up with a way to like really light the world on fire with people that, you know, ultimately they want people. And I mean, this in the most competitive and loving way possible. They need to say Marvel who, and I realize it's a tall order at this point. Marvel's had a really big head start. And I'm not saying that's the be all end all of everything, but it feels like there's a real crisis. Wait, are you of, saying they've had, they've had a big head start in 
Movies or the comics? Mo- movies. You know, but Marvel's also been number one in the comics since like forever. Uh, I mean, consistently. Not since forever. Can, not for, I say like forever as in like almost since Marvel debuted on the scene. No. They've consistently uh, been. Wow, you are forgetting the 90s entirely. Marvel, I believe, is still number one. Like, I'm talking about, like, I'm, I'm talking business. I'm talking market share. They were number one. Like, yeah. DC comes in, you know, like, you know, on, on, month, on certain months on occasion when they have big initiatives that sometimes they, they're number one. But, like, as a brand, DC got pushed to number two. And they've really been, I think, in, in a sort of a mentality, the number two spot for a very long time. I think at this point, they're now being pushed, like, how to make it be the number one, but it's like a desperation move. And there's like a crisis of like confidence almost in the brand itself. And that's why I feel like in the last 10 years, I mean, Marvel really hasn't changed their logo. You know, the white lettering on the, the, the red triangle, the rectangle. And I don't know how long, like small tweaks here or there, but, but other than that, like it's been pretty much the same thing for, for forever. Uh, it depends um, if you're considering Marvel now a change. I mean, it has been. Not it Marvel has... now, but I mean, like Marvel, like the the red logo on white has basically been their consistently their uh, consistent logo for a long time. So actually, I mean, there was the red, the blue logo for a while. It doesn't. I'm seeing. I'm looking at like a a, a bunch of different ones, and it it seems like there's three or four that have used the. Actually, just three that have used the the white and red. I mean, they've changed up theirs quite a bit as well. Uh, well, okay, so the the white and red, uh, and I, I mean, I'm probably he's probably talking out of my ass. There is like the one that was Marvel, and it's got like the yellow comics across the big M. Mm-hmm. You're probably looking at that one. That one, I want to say, was kind of like what took it through the '90s. Uh, and I'm not like looking at what it was in like the '70s. I, you know, I, I see like one that was like Marvel comic and like the circle. But I think with I think probably since the beginning, at least with Iron Man, like they've had that, con- and I know like the logo has been around longer since before that. But it's been like the white on red. Either way, I just like I'm I'm rooting for DC. I love DC's catalog of characters. I want the current you know editorial regimes, you know the people that are in charge to just kind of figure out what it like. I don't necessarily need them to be number one. I just want them to be their best. And that's basically it. I absolutely, I absolutely agree. Oh, hey, this is actually cool. I'll show you this image. It's actually showing a side by side of like DC logo changes and Marvel logo changes. It might be what I'm currently looking at, but go ahead and send it my way. Will do. David, final thoughts. My final thoughts on the DC logo thing. Um, I get all that you're saying. Uh, where some consistency, I guess, would be nice. Um, yeah, yeah, what you just sent me is what I'm looking at. End of the day, it doesn't really matter much to me, to be perfectly honest, as long as the books I love keep coming out. But from a branding perspective, I get that this is a big deal. And, uh, I mean, you know, life's going to go on tomorrow. It's It definitely kind of has opened my eyes looking at things that you don't really realize how often... Uh, companies change their logos or used to. I mean, it was a very big deal. I think it, it happens less so nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking at like Lego uh, logos and those change like once every couple of years for decades. Uh, 
so this, yeah, it's it's just kind of the nature of the beast until you find what works. And I mean, you could argue that um, uh, you could argue that you know they found something that works. Like, why didn't they stick with it? I don't know. I'm not in the the marketing department. I don't work in marketing, uh, despite whatever you people for some reason think. Um, so. DC, just, you know, you do you, man. You do what you gotta do. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's time for recommendations. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Man, that is so quiet. I think people get the point, though. You boys aren't nerds, are you? That's never gonna work out for me. Yes, we're gonna move now on to some recommendations. And what do you have to recommend, David? You're going to make me go first, Nick, while you try to think of a recommendation? Yep. Uh, well, my recommendation is actually a Doctor Strange graphic novel. The movie is coming out, and I imagine people are out there, and they want to read it, and or they want to read up on Doctor Strange and maybe know who he is because they're not super familiar. Well, this is something from actually not too long ago. That is Doctor Strange The Oath. This is from 2007. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn is the writer, and Marcos Martin is the illustrator. It is a book that um, just kind of takes place in the Marvel Universe at the time, but they do a good job introducing you to who uh, Stephen Strange is, who his, um, who Wong, it's Wong, right? Wong. Yeah, who Wong is, uh, and it also gives you a, a neat little story and a neat little package where you don't need to know more than the information that they give you. Um, so if you're looking for an introduction to this character, this is definitely the place to go. Uh, buying it on Amazon, it's you know paperbacks like twenty five dollars, but you can get it on uh, Comixology for around $8, or it's all on Marvel Unlimited, which is where I read it. So there are much cheaper ways to get it. Um, but it is a good book, and like I've said a bunch of times, it is a good way to get a feel for that character before he hits the silver screen. Nick, what you got? I recommend everyone. I hate you already. Go and look at Darwin Cook's body of work and read it in honor of his passing. People can't see this, but Nick's got a, a grin on his face right now as he looks at me as he is awaiting what my response to this is going to be. Because obviously I'm not going to say anything negative about about the man. Um, and why would I? His his body of work is wonderful. You know what? Go and check out Darwin Cook's The Spirit. The Spirit, who was created by Will Eisner, uh, is kind of one of those books that, uh, with you know Will Eisner's sort of signature style of art uh, of, of storytelling, you know, really kind of broke the boundaries on like what a comic can be. Uh, and Darwin Cook's kind of definitely a spiritual successor in that regard, and uh, whose style definitely fits the spirit. 
I want to say that he was only on the book for 12 issues, but uh, it was a fantastic series, a great representation of the kind of um, levels that Darwin Cook could hit. So if I had to recommend something from Darwin Cook's body of work, uh, The Spirit is definitely a good uh, pulpy choice. Absolutely. And and as soon as you said, you know, Darwin Cook's The Spirit, I'm like, I didn't know that he did that. Uh, but immediately like his style just clicked in my mind and it's perfect and if it helps i'm pretty sure there's a batman versus the spirit book that darwin cook did well now i know what i'm doing tomorrow (laughs) uh somehow nick anything else to say before we move on mark millar licks goats it's it's true people it's an objective fact well, thank you so much for giving our show a listen. You can head on over to heckyeahcomics.com for more information. You can also uh, find us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics, all one word. And you can please send us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Anything you want to send us, uh, as long as it is appropriate. And not like, you know, an explosive. Well, in an email? Yeah, don't virus us, guys. Come on, be cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z, and you can uh, find Nick falling to his knees, ripping his shirt in a rainstorm, yelling, Darwin Cook! And as always, you can find us here next week. If you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends, and if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time! Goodbye.